0: Hi, this is your OWEN podcast, a resource for busy veterinarians on the go. My name is Dr. Melanie Barham, and I'm the coordinator for the Ontario Animal Health Network, or OWEN, and I'm here today to discuss surgical pathology with Dr. Andrew Vince, anatomic pathologist with the Animal Health Lab. Welcome, Andy.
1: Thanks, Melanie. I hope we can provide a quick primer for veterinarians in the field on how to improve your diagnostic success in surgical pathology from the pathologist's perspective. In general, the rules governing surgical pathology are more or less the same between species, so this should apply to most veterinarians in the field.
0: Okay, great. So to start with, how do we determine uh, when we should biopsy or not?
1: The answer to the question, when should I biopsy these lesions, is usually sooner rather than later. Early biopsy sampling permits careful removal of masses before they become large, allows comf- confirmation of a diagnosis before starting a course of therapy that may have significant side effects and in some circumstances provides the only means for definitive diagnosis of certain diseases.
0: So what sorts of therapies can impact on diagnoses?
1: The best example of a treatment that can dramatically impact on biopsy diagnosis is glucocorticoid therapy, which can impair the pathologist's ability to perceive inflammatory changes in a variety of organs for weeks to months after administration. Biopsy is also useful in diagnosing severe or rapidly developing lesions to examine new lesions that develop during the course of treatment or to examine lesions that fail to resolve with empirical therapy. In dermatology, biopsy timing and selection is also determined by when primary lesions arise, because optimally, biopsy selection should involve collecting primary lesions, such as vesicles or pustules. Secondary lesions, such as crusts. Can also be useful and should be included where appropriate, but the real target is the primary lesion.
0: Okay, and surgical biopsy isn't uh, limited to the skin, though. And biopsies of internal organs can help with uh, diagnostics of uh, of diagnosis of clinical radiographic and clinical pathological, uh, clinical pathologic <laughs> abnormalities.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, different types of surgical sampling are more or less useful in different clinical situations and in different organs. And if you're uncertain of when and what type of biopsy you should or should not be collecting, a duty pathologist at the Animal Health Lab is always available to assist with decision-making. A good example of this is the use of true-cut biopsies in the diagnosis of liver masses. If the mass is composed of hepatocytes, then the distinction between hyperplastic, benign, and malignant neoplasms is often impossible.
0: Okay. So is there anything else a vet should consider before performing surgical biopsy?
1: This lead-in period prior to sampling is an excellent time to collect digital photographs of the lesions you're sampling, if uh, that's applicable. Pathologists are happy to review digital photographs of gross lesions, as the gross appearance can often be very helpful in diagnosis. And for us, these uh, photographs can be emailed to ahlhisto at uoguelf.ca.
0: Okay. And most labs would accept pictures. And, and actually, I guess um, there is actually a podcast that we've produced uh, with Dr. Murray Hazlitt about how to take the best pictures that will be the most used to your case. So check that out on our podcast page. So um, what sort of recommendations can you provide for the practitioner who is doing the biopsy, like during the actual act?
1: Well, sample collection and fixation uh, are both very important, but... I'm not going to go over every contingency for surgical biopsy for two reasons. Number one, it could take hours. Number two, I am no longer a practicing surgeon. Uh, However, I can provide you with a handful of rules that apply to most circumstances. So number one, if you go to the effort and time of anesthetizing an animal and sampling a lesion, even if you think you know what it is, submit it for histopathology. This can be made easier by including the cost of histopathology within the cost for the surgical procedure itself. Most owners absolutely love getting good news, but they're certainly less happy when a mass reoccurs after the first attempt at removal. Early diagnosis allows for better prognostication, earlier intervention, and sometimes better odds of clinical success. Number two, take great care of the biopsy samples. You really want to avoid surgical cautery during these procedures uh, and use gentle tissue handling during the resection. The best example of where surgical cautery can become uh, can provide a uh, tremendous impact are on small biopsies. The coagulation of tissue at the margins can often propagate right into the center of small biopsies, so you're always better to avoid that.
0: And that includes laser as well.
1: Laser and electrocautery, okay. absolutely. Number three, if you're sampling larger lesions, you really optimally should try and submit those intact and whole, because this allows the pathologist to visualize and evaluate the surgical margins. Upon receipt to the lab, the margins of most such biopsies have surgical ink applied, so we so at histologically we can reliably determine, or more reliably determine, the completeness of resection. Provide more useful prognostic information, especially when dealing with the suspicion of cancer. Okay. Number four, where appropriate, collect multiple samples. Uh, Best examples are with uh, skin disease, if you're collecting endoscopic biopsies, or if you've got generalized liver disease and you're in there taking small biopsies. If you do collect different types of lesions from different sites such as, say, multiple skin masses. Submit those in separate jars of formalin. uh, Label those with the anatomic location of the biopsy so we can report back to you specifically where each individual lesion is located.
0: That's where I guess being prepared with lots of jars uh, in your truck or in your clinic is a good idea beforehand.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) The, the, The worst story that we end up seeing is where you know, three or four biopsies of multiple skin lumps are taken off and they're all submitted together in the same jar. And unfortunately, uh, you know, three out of four of them will turn out to be, uh, sebaceous adenomas. And one of them is uh, an intermediate grade mast cell tumor. Uh, and you cannot tell reliably which one of those is, um, is a mast cell tumor and which, and thus wise Not sure where it's going to recur, where any revision surgery might be necessary. Hmm. So number five, in cases where an infectious etiology is even remotely possible, especially with dermatopathies, consider taking an extra punch biopsy or or even a segment of a larger biopsy and submit that fresh. Don't put it in formalin. Uh, place it into a sterile whirlpack type bag or a serum tube, stored at four degrees Celsius, so that should there be a concern for uh, for an infectious agent, you can pursue further microbiological testing.
0: And I think you mentioned that it doesn't matter if it's a plastic or glass tube for the for the serum. No,
1: tube not bag. for this purpose.
0: Okay, and a whirlpack bag is pretty important, not a ziploc bag. A whirlpack bag. Ziplocs are for dinner, and whirlpacks are for
1: samples. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need anything out of a Whirlpack. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, number six. Careful fixation is important, uh, and this means you want to have at least a 10 to 1 ratio of formalin to tissue. Um, it is extremely disappointing to the pathologist, the clinician, the client, when underfixed tissues lead to complications in diagnosis. Uh, in, a, in a similar vein, an unusual problem that we deal with in much of Canada is uh, the risk of formalin freezing during the winter months. Formalin freezes at the same temperature roughly as water. And so uh, in, in un, um, unheated or uninsulated uh, trucks, they, they will sometimes freeze solid.
0: Or so even, I guess, when your sample's waiting for it to be picked up by the courier or something. Uh,
1: quite possible.
0: Yeah.
1: You can avoid this by adding a one mil of ethanol Per 10 mils of formalin in the jar.
0: So that can be just rubbing alcohol or, you know, just absolutely, alcohol.
1: Absolutely. And it makes no, uh, has no significant effect on the fixation of the tissues. Awesome. Um, number seven, large volumes of formalin really aren't best for shipping because of the contamination risk associated with spills. So if you have a large biopsy that you want to ship, say perhaps a large resected mass or an amputated leg, the entirety of a spleen, you can actually fix it in formalin in the clinic for one to two days before you ship it. The large biopsies can be partially transected in one or more sites to allow fixation of the core of the biopsy, but you want to take careful steps to avoid to to keep the surgical margins intact. The best example is uh, removing a skin mass. You can actually cut into the mass through the epidermal aspect, keeping the deep margins intact and allow fixation of the the center of the mass. Once fixed, that sample can then be removed from formalin, wrapped in formalin-soaked absorbent material, such we typically use a paper towel. Uh, Then that is then triple-wrapped in plastic bags and then sealed and shipped in a hard plastic container. Hard plastic container is important because if it's not in a rigid in a rigid container, it runs the risk of being smushed, and then there's often not much we can tell you about it, and now, also
0: kind of the wide mouth is pretty
1: important absolutely, so you want to really want to use a wide mouth container if you are submitting uh larger volumes of formalin when you put tissues into formalin, they will actually harden as they fix and the, that, so that large biopsy that slipped into a narrow-necked container when fresh may actually be very difficult to extricate after fixation. Um, I have had to resort to breaking uh, sample containers. I have had to resort to reaching into a narrow-necked jar with a knife and dicing up a sample in the jar uh, to be able to get it out, and that is not optimal for diagnosis.
0: So water bottles, not okay. <laughs>
1: not so useful. Yeah. Um, so you want to use a plastic screw-top container for transporting samples in formalin. Avoid glass. They tend to break. Avoid anything with a press-on lid because those also tend to leak. Neither glass nor press-on lids are re- are suitable for sample transport in formalin.
0: Okay, so after your collection follows your submission, and what recommendations do you have for clinicians when submitting?
1: So, of critical concern is the concurrent submission of clinical history. Uh, As with clinical assessment of your patient, the accurate assessment of each biopsy is dependent on clinical context. Important components of a useful clinical history include a complete signalment, Clinical problems, including uh, any mention of systemic illness or any laboratory abnormalities that have been noted. a Description of the lesions, including distribution, appearance, severity, duration, what prior therapies you may have pursued uh, prior to biopsy. Inadequate histories usually lead to one of two things. Either a very dissatisfying pathology uh, report and evaluation, or a phone call for clarification that, frankly, you may not have time for in your busy day. On On the other side of things, however, please avoid submitting the complete medical history of the animal that you have sampled. A succinct clinical breakdown is usually adequate. So uh,
0: not too big, not too small.
1: Not too big, not too just small. the
0: size of Montreal.
1: <laughs> exactly. Not
0: just the size of the box that you can <laughs> submit information.
1: In- including specific clinical questions that you have and which you would like answered by the biopsy are also very helpful. Uh, lastly, if you have previously submitted samples from that animal, perhaps you submitted uh, aspiration cytology from a mass, um, providing the deta- those details uh, helps the pathologist to integrate case details and will help you further.
0: If you're working with stuff from two different labs, but it's good to submit the final report from the other lab. It is
1: very, very helpful. Okay, Absolutely. Great.
0: Okay, and then what is the most important part of the submission form?
1: Well, in my opinion, the most important part, perhaps, is the list of your clinical differential diagnoses. You have actually seen and examined this animal. You have some idea of what its overall health status is like and what the lesions you're dealing with might be. So this makes your observations as a clinician invaluable.
0: Okay, so what happens to my sample after submission?
1: So after receipt at the lab, your samples are trimmed for histologic processing. Representative sections are collected for evaluation. For many intact biopsies, as I mentioned, surgical marking dye is applied to the surgical surface to allow for an accurate assessment of the surgical margins, and that's where leaving your samples intact facilitates this process. The pathologist then interprets the histology under a light microscope, May make it uh, get additional opinions from other pathologists, formulates a report with a description of the lesions, a diagnosis, and some form of interpretation to help put the lesions into clinical context if possible. Uh, some of these uh, reports may include recommendations for further testing, such as special or histochemical stains, such as immunohistochemistry to evaluate for the presence of infectious agents or to. Try and narrow down the cell types involved in a specific neoplasm. Uh, in the context of some tumors, pathologists will typically try and grade the mass if a scheme for grading it is available, as well as evaluating the completeness of surgical resection. However, keep in mind that if the final report does not make sense in light of your clinical presentation, please call and talk to your pathologist who interpreted the samples.
0: Okay, so really uh, the report can be just the start of a conversation.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
0: All right, so yeah, I mean it seems like surgical pathology has a lot of has an awful lot of uses.
1: Used wisely and widely, surgical pathology is one of the most powerful tools in the veterinarians toolkit. But success really depends on clinical decision making, sample technique and submission, and a clear and concise communication between a pathologist and the lab team and your clinic. Your surgical pathologist can be part of your clinical team, improving your odds and options for diagnosis.
0: Okay. Thanks so much, Andrew. Uh, this has been your OWN Podcast. Have an absolutely fabulous day.